thank you very much uh, for joining us. Of course, this week on the Sound Ideas podcast, we're joined by two legends from the Kootenays. We have Peter Moynes and Mitchell Scott, co-publishers. Of course, Mitchell Scott has a history being a communications manager for brands like Kona. He's also worked with the Sherpa Cinemas and is currently the editor-in-chief of Kootenay Mountain Culture Magazine and co-owner and core publisher. Then, of course, we have Peter Moynes, the legend, so photo editor, I almost want to say operations manager, but I think that uh, if, you, if you read, he is the lead account manager, but I know he just does so much more. And um, from what I hear in the grapevine, you used to be a photographer yourself, but we can get into that a little bit later. So yeah, thank you so much um, for joining us. Yeah. Thanks. Welcome guys. Uh, I've written a little bit for your, your magazines and, uh, and yeah, they're, they're totally unique and just thinking about Kootenay Mountain Culture, um, a buddy of mine, Jamie Bliss, has also written for you guys, another Nelson local. Um, but uh, I guess your, your, your concept's pretty unique, and I think there's been a lot of almost copycats since in terms of what the magazine is and what it looks like and kind of the almost like the core culture around the magazine. What, what, uh, how, did, how did the inception of this magazine first come into, into being, and, and when did that happen? Uh, yeah, so I, I was, uh, well, as Adam had mentioned, uh, I was back, well, it's 20 years ago now, uh, I was pursuing a uh, photographic career and with a friend, uh, Glenn Harris as well, too, who uh, lived in the area at the time and was uh, pursuing a photographic career as well, too. And, uh, you know, we used to spend a lot of our time pitching story ideas to different magazines. Um, you know, trying to get, get assignments and get our work out there. And, uh, you know, there was discussion at times about being disappointed about uh, pitching a story to a particular magazine and, you know, perhaps seeing it the next year, uh, you know, it's them saying they didn't want the story idea. And then next year you saw it come out <laughs> written by someone else or, you know, photographed by someone else. So we started just kind of kicking around the idea of, um, you know, starting our own publication, um, and had a connection with uh, one of the stores on, on Baker Street. Um, they were a Patagonia outlet. And um, uh, so, yeah, we, we, we basically started a magazine. Our first uh, issue was, was the winter of 2001. You know, it was probably, I think it was about, uh, gosh, 40 pages at most. And we probably uh, printed about 5,000 of them or so. And um, and then, yeah, basically at that, after that, uh, Glenn Harris, so the guy that I mentioned, he actually started Mountain Life and he, his, his mother got sick, I believe is what it was. So he moved east right away. I, I don't even think, I, I, I think he left uh, without even uh, doing any distribution or finalizing any bills or anything like that. We kind of started the thing and then uh, he was gone. And so... Um, yeah, I, I decided to continue uh, with the magazine. And then uh, thankfully, Mitch and I met uh, on an assignment. Uh, one one time we were doing an assignment for Explore magazine. And uh, Mitch and I started to become friends and get closer. And uh, so, yeah, thankfully, Jish, uh, I think it was in the winter of uh, 2003, I think it was. Uh, well, certainly that's the year that... Uh, Mitchell introduced me to uh, Chris Rowett and uh, Chris Rowett Design, who is our has been our designer for gosh, what I guess that's about 17 years now, and uh, just a wonderful man and a, a design monster. 
Uh, and then uh, Mitchell and I partnered uh, at the same time. So I, I really sometimes think, I mean, you know, KMC, you know, it did start in the, so the winter of 2001, but it was a very, well, it was nothing like it is now. So I really kind of think often that the mag kind of started when, uh, well, it, it really became something when uh, Mitch and I partnered and, uh, and we got, uh, you know, a real steady and stable designer on board uh, with Chris Rowe. Yeah. And, and being kind of separate from, from, I know Adam's worked for you guys a bit and that sort of thing, but you're, your magazine is just beautiful. It's like laid out. It's something that, you know, people don't want to throw away. It's something they want to keep. I've seen a bunch of friends places. I've seen stacks and stacks of KMC and CMC mags. You know, it's like a collector's item that people keep around and kind of go back to again and again. Uh, Cause it's such, it's a, it's like a work of art, really. It's a beautiful magazine that people can like pick up, you know, for free from, you know, outdoor stores and, and, and places like that. So obviously like when you, I guess in 2001, it was not obviously like you said what it is today. It was just kind of a little, like a, a a little <laughs> newsprint or what was it exactly? It was it was it was a nice little magazine. It was yeah. it was it was color. Uh, it was you know stapled together, um, but it's like professionally produced. Um, but yeah, I think you know, it, it, like anything that you start from scratch, you don't really know what you're doing, and it's just about getting it out there and and, and growing from there. So. Um, it took a little while. Like the, there was a few issues that were, you know, back then they were cool. People loved them. They were grassroots, you know, it was people who hadn't really written too much before. It was, you know, emerging photographers. The design was a little uh, rough around the edges, but it was authentic and it was, and it was real and it was cool. And it was from this place. And, um, you know, it was, it was definitely good enough to, to start the momentum to keep it going. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, we owe everything to those, you know, first issues to what the magazine is today for sure. Yeah. And that sounds a bit familiar, you know, just launching something new and, and kind of finding your way. Um, you know, take I, that first step. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which we, we started to do late last year and now we have a few recordings under our belt. So we thought we'd go for some, with someone a little bit more uh, notorious in my mind anyway. <laughs> Um, anyway, the magazine's amazing, and and recently I picked up uh, a subscription to um, the Ski Magazine. What is it? The Ski Journal, and then I also subscribe to Peloton, and then I pick up your mag- magazine, of course. And I look at the three of them, and like you said, graphic design, quality, and and photography, and that's what you get out of those three magazines. And they all feel uh, of the same ilk. You know, you pick that up, and they've not cheaped out on the paper. They have the best photographs on the front. And uh, of course, the writing and the layout backs it up without too many ads. And uh, I actually just picked up a couple of magazines that were gifted to me, um, you know, late, like I guess December, January. <laughs> and, uh, you know, major, major newsprint magazines. And I was kind of reading through them and there was more ads than I'm used to looking at in a magazine and the layout and the print quality wasn't as good. And I know someone probably threw 10 bucks on the table to grab that or more. So, um, yeah, I mean, you guys have sort of have that dedication to quality, um, which is amazing because you're able to distribute, um, and provide that content, but when did that happen? So you said the first copy was stapled together and I'm sure it was nice. I mean, there's a lot of ways to bind a magazine, but when did that really start? I think it was the emerging, like I say, 
when Mitch came on board and, and Rohit came on board, we often see our publications as being three equal parts of design, photography, and, and, and writing, editorial. So I think that's probably when, you know, you've got Mitch's uh, expertise in the writing side and then uh, Rohit in the design. And then I was on, coming from a photography background. So I think that, um, you know, once we all came together, that's when it's, you know, the quality really started to, to, to go up, um, you know, in particular in, in the writing, I think as well. I, well, certainly in design, um, we always tried, you know, to, for, to, to maintain a high level of photography. Uh, but yeah, I think it was, it was everybody coming together, uh, you know, in sort of that winter of 2003 that uh, really set it off on its sort of its trajectory and course of trying to maintain excellence in those three fields. Yeah, the yeah, Holy Trinity. Think, Sorry, go on, Mitch. Yeah, well, I think, you know, what a lot of people forget when you're making a magazine, like not to discredit all the work that goes into ad sales, the admin part of it, the digital side of it, great design, getting good photography, all of that is designed to get people to settle down, take a moment and read, yeah. right? Like that's what, that's what we're doing. Like we're not making a photo book. Um, we're making a magazine with stories in it. And if the stories aren't epic and if there isn't, if there's any spelling mistakes or the, the, the sentences don't quite jive, um, or there's not like an attitude or there's not great research, then it kind of falls short. It's just basically a placeholder for ads and, and nice photography. So I think what really differentiated us early on was we, we recognize that and we put a lot of effort and energy into that. And, you know, our editorial team, which has been with us for almost 15 years now, um, are, you know, it's like, you know, Tara Cunningham and, and Vince Hemsall, are you know some of the best editors I know out there, and that's a, that's a hard skill and it's a rare skill, and it's it's a challenge to uh, and not to discredit uh, the amazing writers we work with, but you know we get a lot of our first drafts in from expert writers, and, and they need work, and and the writers and myself as a writer, I rely on good editors to get the best out of me and to get the best out of my story and keep my voice but make it fit in the magazine and the way we design and, you know, the amount of effort we put into our, our titles and our, and our decks, which is like, you know, the, the, the sentences underneath the title, our captions, you know, the lead paragraph, everything is designed to get you to spend 10, 15 minutes, really get into a story, not have the words get in the way of the story, and leave the experience with something to talk about at the dinner table, or you've learned something that you didn't know about before, or you now you're like engaged in an issue that you want to, you know, get behind and, and share with your friends. So I think that's our being our big differentiator is the amount of attention and effort we put into the words, which are the least flashy part of the magazine, but they are the heart and soul of the magazine for sure. Yeah. I've done a couple of pieces for you guys and it's definitely, uh, like talking with like Mike Berard and stuff like that, you definitely focus on a, on a pretty tight theme and, and a, you know, pretty tight word line too, right. In terms of the, the, like the word count or whatever for a piece, but also it really then focuses the writer. It's like, Hey, I gotta, 
you don't waste anything, right? You try to really uh, be impactful with every word. You have to make it really clean, like you said, and then it's got to be balanced out with some good photography too. But in, in basically what, two to four pages, you guys can really do something memorable with that kind of, uh, that kind of, you know, framework. And, uh, and I can appreciate that. It's much different than a lot of other magazines, which are almost, if, if you get almost too many words for a piece, you can definitely, you know, hang yourself with that rope sometimes. You guys definitely kind of uh, focus the writer, which is actually a good challenge. And, and like you said, with, with the editors you have, it's, uh, it, it's totally, it's, you know, like a good writer in a magazine, you, you know, the editor and the writer, they're like, you know, 50-50 in some ways, right, in terms of putting out a great piece. So, um, and you guys do definitely, you know, a great, a great job with that. Um, and I know like you, Mitchell, you've done tons of editorials, like the opening kind of, I guess, monologue for a lot of your mags. And I was just wondering, it's very thematic, your, your, your issues, every issue is kind of like a, a theme often. And have you ever had a, like a really controversial, memorably controversial theme or editorial that kind of gave you a lot of blowback or whatever? Has that ever happened with, with your kind of mag or is it, is it always like you just kind of roll with it? No big deal. And that's what you wanted or something. <laughs> Uh, no, we've eaten a lot of shit over the years yeah. for sure. <laughs> we've pissed off a lot of snowboarders. <laughs> so can you be more specific? Like what, uh, what was the snowboarder um, pissing off thing all about? You know, we had one, we had, we had one cover that was, you know, pissed a lot of people off where it was, it was the, uh, pray what was it, Pete? It was the, the re- religion issue. Yeah. It was a pray for snow idea and that yeah. skiers would show up at eight and then at the 15 snowboarders and other infidels would show up to pray. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, we thought sort of uh, the snowboarder would, would actually like that idea of being infidels, but uh, yeah, rebels, right. Some, yeah. Being degenerates. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we got some blowback for that one. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm remembering specific examples, but I think, you know, over the years we've, we've always wanted to take um, some risks like responsible risks um, with our storytelling in our magazine. And, um, I think less and less we get, you know, for one, for example, we, we, we had another cover that was uh, a guy that had a whole bunch of pelts behind him. We seem to get mo- yeah. most shit for, for, our that covers. was a great cover. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was one of the great covers I was working with you guys. And it was, was it a, uh, Oh wait, no, maybe I'm thinking of something different. I'm thinking of the, the issue that they had the young lady that was adorned in the pelts. That's not the same issue. No, that's a different, that was a coast issue. We got, I think we got shit for that one too, but that was a great um, cover. That was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But you can't, you can't really, you know, you gotta, you gotta take risks, but they gotta come from like a, a place of responsibility. Like one thing I think we've, we've never done is we've never, you know, really offended someone that we shouldn't have offended. Um, I think you're never really going to uh, please everybody when you're trying to rate risk. But I think, you know, Mike, Mike was really good with his editorial and that, you know, he really put himself in a vulnerable place. He helped me do that with some of my editorial where, you know, you're, you're kind of wearing it on your sleeve a little bit. Um, which evokes emotional reactions. I mean, I, I just wrote an editorial about like why we're all, you know, scared shitless of dying and how that's, you know, created this crazy environment where we're just petrified of COVID and, and uh, it was risky. I did get a little bit of blowback for maybe being insensitive, but you know, it's just me kind of being honest. Go ahead, Pete. 
Frank, if I could take that one for a second, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. Take, I'll take Mitch's a little further there. So we did a piece called the, the radical issue and, um, on the front cover was, uh, was a trapper and we had the, uh, amounts, uh, that, uh, they were paying for pelts on the cover as well too. And was that, um, was that Kari medic shot? Was Kari take that it shot? It was, it was yeah. a Kari medic yeah. shot. I yeah. thought it was beautiful. It was, I mean, what, a, what, a, you know, our magazine is about mountain culture in our area. And it was amazing the number of people that complained. We were banned from, we were banned from a cat skiing operation. We were banned from a couple of different um, uh, retail stores as well too. And uh, you know, the retail store, I remember saying to him, like, you don't want to carry the mat. Like you think that everybody in mountain culture just wears Gore-Tex, right? Like <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it. And the other thing was, is what, what blew my mind is in that piece alone, we had a piece on um, uh, that Steve Ogle did on gross national happiness in Bhutan. And there was a photo that we ran that we really considered whether we should do it or not. And it was a, a picture of a young child being burned, you know, in one of, uh, uh, in, a, in a religious ceremony, uh, the, the child was dead and you could literally see the child's foot and the child was being burned. Nobody said squat about it. It was like they were just mad that because one of the guys was upset because his dog had had his leg caught in a leg hold trap. And that's why he didn't want to have the magazine around. But, you know, so it's like, you know, people who are trapping and actually, you know, using the resources of the land and the, mm -hmm. what we've been doing around here for much longer than however long our magazine's been around. And they just didn't want to accept that that was part of mountain culture. Um, yeah. Don't weird. mess with PETA, right? Don't mess with them. They're going to yeah. get all over you no matter who you are. Yeah. <laughs> no, I well, totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. It, it's definitely, there's a, you guys obviously have, you know, different, different uh, readership and it, there is definitely a lot of uh i guess almost like a, a new age sensitive culture in terms of people in the outdoors i guess especially my, maybe more urbanites who aren't kind of exposed to that sort of you know you know backcountry you know back to the earth kind of culture um it's almost like you're in that sense you're you're, you're crossing over into the probably unintentionally but you're crossing over to the kind of like a survivalist magazine and the impression of some other people right so they get kind of this uh they get their 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 wires up without actually looking at the context of it, I'm sure. So yeah. Oh yeah. Our goal is just to document mountain culture that exists in this mm -hmm. area. You mm -hmm. know, and I mean if you don't like it, don't, don't read it, you know. But I mean to ban us, that's was a bit much, I thought. Yeah, and I mean in terms of social sustainability or, or that, you know, mindset, you know, wearing some sort of pelt or a natural fabric or product that is probably a little bit more sustainable than than wearing several layers of product that's either petroleum based or, or come out of a vat from DuPont. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that I know anything about um, that. All being, but... <laughs> that all being said, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're definitely open and respective and responsive to the feedback we get. One, one example that really kind of changed how we do things is, um, you know, we had one photographer, uh, female who's done a, a bunch of workforces, you know, kind of calling us out for being, you know, a little male centric, a little bro centric. Bro town. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, um, that's, you look at it and, 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 and guys in mountain culture are a little more like, Hey, look at me. I did this. I got a story idea. Look at my photography. It is, it is a, a dude centric uh, space. Um, that being said, you know, half of our staff is female, but we took it seriously. So, you know, 
we actually went back through like seven years of magazines and we cataloged how many stories were written by guys, how many stories were about guys and how many women. And we, we published that in our editor's intro, which was written by Tara, our, our, our one of our main editors. And we called ourselves on it, you know, and, 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 and basically said, you know, we're going to try and change and, and ask our readership, like, what can we do to, um, engage and inspire more female contributors to come forward and participate in our magazine. Um, and now like every magazine is kind of looked at through this lens now of, you know, uh, diversity and, you know, um, making sure that we're covering, you know, a wide range of topics from not just Nelson. It's also hard for us not to be Nelson centric. Um, making sure we've got a balance with, with female athletes, female contributors, um, so, you know, Mike was really good at saying, um, and you've heard this a bunch before, like it's, it's better, you know, to make people, you know, really, really excited and really love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people like really hate what you're doing. Yeah. Then a bunch of people not really care. Then just to be boring. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. and we're talking about Mike Burrard, I assume. Mike Burrard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Mike. Yeah. He's yeah. been uh, in touch a bit later. Yeah. I, I think I agree. You can't you can't just be middle of the road. Ultimately you have to have an opinion. And as long as it's fair and, uh, and coming from a good place, I mean, that that's, that's as long as you're covered there and you're, you're raising a, a valid point, people don't want to hear that point, but you know, if it, it kind of, if it bleeds, it leads, it's got to be exciting in a way. It's got to be something that kind of touches a nerve. Right. And it's, uh, it's not being, uh, it's sensationalistic, yeah. but it's just something that it's, it's a, it's almost a point that, people don't always want to talk about, but if you guys bring it up in the right context, it's going to elicit a conversation and that's what you want. And that's how you, that's how you, you know, get known that people talk about your magazine, you talk about the theme and that's uh, you know, that's exactly. And you looked at yourself in the mirror when you got that feedback, you printed real metrics that you took the time to go back and did, which probably took a few editors or a few folks, you know, quite a long time. And you called yourself out and asked for feedback and uh, it's interesting on this call, as I look around, of course, uh, we have four middle-aged white men, but uh, we're cognizant of that. And uh, we will talk to more we ladies. Some, we need some yeah. lady guests. On the <laughs> yeah. show for sure. And we yeah. did. We had Ash and she was a <laughs> very, yeah. very intelligent, uh, smart young lady who's, who's actually in journalism and pushing the boundaries on a whole bunch of interesting stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that brings to me as well. It's like I'm just stepping into this role. Uh, broadcasting my voice and I've been thinking a lot you know specifically in the last two or three years we had me too which kind of bumped up against Black Lives Matter and as a middle-aged white man up in Canada who's had a decent amount of privilege but also someone who's been incredibly isolated so not going in public not interacting with people you know what does this mean to me and how do I you know action on this and and what do I say and I guess sometimes for me it's you're saying nothing is is a value to me because I haven't thought it through and um, I can't always, you know, speak to it. You know, we're all, I think, in tune to basically respond. And that was actually one quote from a friend of mine, Nelson Cam, Cam Shoot. Um, you know, he's basically a, we are, we are tuned to respond. And often, you know, in my line of work, I respond. That's my job. But uh, sometimes it's better to just uh, sit on it. But shut up, Hugavine. I'm not a publisher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you, it's incredibly, you, oh, sorry, it's incredibly okay, hard to do. It's incredibly hard to do to take that stance um, in a venue, in a format that relies upon advertising dollars to make it happen. So, 
getting the, you know, and, you know, many of these magazines out there and many of these outlets out there are being swayed by advertisers. You know, will you do this? I'll advertise if you do this. You know, I don't like this story. You know, that doesn't jive with us, you know. Um, so being able to create a climate where your advertisers, um, you know, like we don't do gear reviews in our magazine. Uh, we don't do letters to the editor in our magazine. We don't do pay to play stories in our magazine. We've got a couple and they just come back and bite us in the ass. Everyone who advertises with us knows implicitly that we're going to do our own thing. And it's up to you if you want to come for the ride. And there's a body of work to look through. It's going to be responsible and it's, it's your choice, but we are not going to do anything in our editorial that sways you to advertise. And that's, quite rare in today's media um, space. You know, that is true independence. And, and that's, you know, it's easy for me to say now when we're 20 years in, but that is a very difficult culture to create, especially if you're starting something new because you need those advertisers and you're desperate for those advertisers. Yeah. You need so, readers. Yeah. And also you guys, obviously you're, you had um, for years, equally a beautiful magazine, similarly formatted is Coast Mountain Culture. And obviously with COVID, you have to kind of pull back from that, that issue. And you're saying you're very kind of obviously can be Nelson or Kootenai centric. And that was your effort, obviously, to kind of hook into the whole, you know, coastal mountain culture and that sort of thing in a totally different world, different stories. And uh, is that is that magazine done or is it on hiatus? Um, I know I talked to Mike about it when when things were happening. But um, I guess, you, do you even know? Is it just kind of up in the air? I know, Peter, um, you work with, with both mags, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's tough to say right now. I mean, it's a very difficult climate uh, currently with, ad, with mags and ad sales. I mean, we're, we feel so fortunate um, in, in Kootenai Mountain Culture, how much regional support we have and, and how much we get. I mean, I'm in the midst of ad sales for our summer issue right now. And I can tell you that, you know, it's, there's, there's a much lower amount of, of national support um, now with COVID and all of that uh, than there is, um, than there is regional support. So it, on the coast, because of, the distance we were able to cover and the amount of people we could sort of, um, you know, speak to, we were able to garner a lot of the national advertisers there. Um, and, and there were less sort of regional advertisers, uh, in that publication for us. Um, and Peter, am I right? You're, you guys are like California, Oregon, Washington, BC, pretty much that whole sector. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. kind of South to Oregon, basically. Yeah. We didn't, our, our goal was to hit California at some point, but um, you know, we were still kind yeah. of working on Portland that. to Pemby was... and occasionally up to Smithers. That's kind of my line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's uh, we had a lot more um, American support and distribution there. And, you know, that's obviously, kind of gone away for at least the now uh we were not certain how long that was going to take to come back um and uh, you know like so many people i think during covid we just sort of took stock at what we were doing you know and and where we should focus and and what we should do moving forward and so uh, you know 
Kootenai Mountain Culture is, uh, we're coming into our 20th year of, of publishing. It has massive support. People want to see it succeed. Uh, we're focusing a lot of our energy and attention there. And then also on our StoryHouse side of things of the business. So, uh, you know, we, I, I personally already felt stretched a little thin with uh, the Coast Mag as well too. And then when sort of the writing was on the wall for at least, uh, you know, the year, and I would certainly, we looked at it as being the, the coming year as well. And what, what could eventually be sort of three years until that may have sort of, that ship may have righted itself and kind of gotten in the right direction again. We just decided that it was important for us to focus on the things that were working for us. And uh, some of the areas that we were already um, looking to expand in our business. So um, is it over? I, I don't know. Um, um, but it's it's not active at the moment. There it is. Fair enough. Let's we'll see what nice happens. Long winded, maybe. Yeah. Wait and see. <laughs> but the good news is, I mean, you can still get some of your product here on the coast. So you guys are still whipping through Vancouver, Pemby, Whistler with with select copies of of KMC. So you're yeah. Yeah. you're you're gone, but not forgotten, and the product will remain. Uh, in the keyest of the key shops, cafes, and breweries here on the coast. And I, I was able to snag, I have a copy of the latest issue, by the way, right beside, and luckily, luckily on this spine, it says, yes, we will. Um, and I snuck that up at uh, Intuition Liners. And I, yeah, had to, nice. I, had to, I had to dig around a bit this time because I wasn't, uh, obviously I wasn't traveling. I wasn't moving much. So I was, I was glad when I finally got it, but I'm going to subscribe. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, just to preface on that, like it was, you know, COVID, it was amazing. Even this last issue, there was concern as to whether or not people were going to go into stores right. to pick up magazines, right? We were concerned. I was reaching out to all of our distributors and all of our partners to say, hey, look, are you going to be able to distribute the same number of magazines that you've been able to do in the past? And a lot of them had major concern. So, I mean, you know, everyone had concern as to what the future would be. And then what happened was this issue came out and it went nuts. Everybody wanted to, they were so tired of being on their digital devices and stuff that we distributed the magazine in record time. So it's, it's very, you know, these are really unusual times. And that's the weird thing is that when I don't want to sort of give any certainty with anything is that, <laughs> I don't know if you guys feel it too, but in COVID, there is not a lot of certainty and what you think may happen, uh, you know, that really amazed me. We were, we were concerned about distribution for this last issue and, and we've never distributed faster. So, and you guys have so, never done like a, a, a digital version of the magazine. Like for example, like Explore does like they you get them in the, you can get it in the rack Explore. You can also get a full digital version, which is exactly the same as the rack version. You guys are all about this tactile, tangible, holding your hands, you know, issue. That's, that's, that's a big allure of it too. Right. I think, and I think like you said, it's, it's just like, you know, vinyl versus streaming people like that tactile element of, of something like you put out like a magazine, something you can feel and touch and that sort of thing. And that's, that's probably why it's like the opposite of, of what you think people are yearning to touch, you know, they're yearning to hug, they're yearning to hold a magazine in their hands. And I think that's probably what you're leading to as far as why the magazine did so well recently when you released it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's interesting, I think that we, we, we've always kind of known that we, we've learned as well is, you know, Cooney Mountain Culture is a title. Um, it's got a region in it. But if you look at the body of work in our magazine, I mean, there's stories from the 
Nepal, there's stories from Indonesia, there's stories from all over the world. It's really a magazine about people who are in tune with their natural surroundings. And the mountains are the metaphor for that. They're, they're, you know, the, the, the landscape we're referencing for the most part. The coolest thing about coast is we got to get into the ocean, which was, which was super yeah. fun for us was, was surf and, and boating and, and, uh, and all of that. Just but six really like, picks. yeah. Oh yeah. The, the surf vibes in there were, were so cool. But, um, you know, we, we designed the magazine not to be for the people from here, but for anyone who came across it that had a relationship with, with mountain living and mountain culture. And every single story is, is designed that way, even though it might be specific to a person or a place um, in a specific region. I mean, it's, it's impossible not to tell a story that way. Um, but we would always design them. So like, how, how, would a, how would someone from who's visiting the Kootenays say, be interested in this? How would someone who doesn't live here go like, hey, this is, this is happening, you know, like Save Cotton with this sort of initiative that I've been a part of. We're doing a big story on it. This is a story about uh, private land logging and private land logging regulations in British Columbia, which are atrocious. And the work of a, a volunteer group to raise the money to buy the land off this guy to save it from clear-cut logging. So this is a story that's happening all over British Columbia, all over Canada. Mm-hmm. And we're using an example here and telling it in a way where people can go, Hey, this is a really cool initiative. You know, I could do this on Vancouver Island. I could do this. Yeah. I could do this yeah we got our, our friends up in uh, Powell river trying to, to, uh, to save that pristine climbing area that has already been cut, which looked pretty cool. Um, how's that going by the way? How's the initiative and where can people check that out? Uh, well, they can go to save cottonwood um, on Instagram and Facebook and save cottonwood.com. But we just announced yesterday that we've, we've uh, over the last 16 months, this community has raised 400 grand to purchase the land and, and uh, take it off the land over and landowner. We've actually raised uh, enough money to, proceed all the way to, to throwing it through to uh, a green light. It's happening. A land endowment. Yeah. So it's, it's effectively nice. been safe. Or is that, is that in Nelson Cottonwood? Is that? Yeah. It's about uh, five kilometers south of Nelson. It's this cool little lake that uh, oh, okay. people play hockey on in the winter and fish in the summer. Yeah. I know. I don't know in Nelson, like a lot of the, uh, the base area of the mountain bike trails in the town, like years ago, got kind of logged out as well. I guess that's also another kind of, crossover that's a private area too right there's lots of land that people recreate on that's private there's always going to be this kind of conflict sure. happening between the private and, and kind of public interest for sure so yeah. um yeah and, and do you guys do so so with kmc you're obviously focused on the theme of the kootenays kind of uh as far as like i guess a lot of your stories are still coming from there or i guess there's people that are traveling from the kootenays that'll bring these stories back are you kind of not doing any more ocean-based issues at all because it doesn't really fit with the Kootenai aesthetic and lifestyle is that kind of distant it's I guess you have to have a focus obviously right yeah and I mean, I'm just I think, asking because I've got a, I've got a really good story for you guys from the coast so, yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> I mean are- I think depending on what's happens with coast and and one of the coolest things that we did see with with COVID so basically what happened with COVID is it hit at the worst possible time for us we had just we had just expanded our staff. We just planted this cool office downtown, our first sort of real office. Um, we were growing, our agency was growing. Um, Coast was firing, Kootenai was firing. We had just booked, 
you know, we're finishing up our bookings for both issues. It's going to be a record issue for both. And uh, COVID hit and we lost like one third to half of everything in like two weeks. Yeah, that was crazy. And right. I mean, for the record, I was working with these gentlemen at that time as well. Um, and again, this is a side gig for me, but it's a passion project. I really love what they're doing. And I was in touch with uh, people booking and advertisers and just sort of on the back end supporting them and in, in, in what small way I could. Um, but yeah, the walls sort of started to begin, begin to fall. Like people were just running for the hills and it was really chaotic. And it, like you said, you guys had just done this momentous, you know, bricks and mortar expansion. You had the two gigs, you had additional staff, like things were firing quite well. Um, so, you know, it was a lot of work and it's, I mean, thank goodness you guys are still doing what you do because, um, you guys pointed out on social media and I did some cursory reading, you know, last six months, like we lost some big publications, um, powder magazine i think went down and i think Mitt, did you were involved with powder back in the day yeah i was a senior correspondent for powder and a editor at large at bike for a number of years it's huge yeah. and uh yeah. and then of course there's a few of those brands that i think in the last few months have just been purchased and bought up as well so there's a bit of a shuffle so hopefully they'll be phoenix from the flame if i can use your words <laughs> and, and oh, you guys well, oh sorry go ahead mitch oh what was cool was a bunch of Coast advertisers wanted to stay on. We had a bunch of cool coast stories. So we decided to blend the two magazines essentially with advertisers and editorial and told all of our coast advertisers that we we're going to have a robust distribution plan for the coast. And what we quickly found out is, you know, for people on the coast, it, it you know, the title didn't really matter whether it was coast or Kootenai Mountain Culture. It was like, we want this magazine that talks about mountain culture. And um, as long as it's got good story, we don't care where they're from. So um, if coast doesn't resurrect itself, I, I can't see, and we've talked about this at length, Cootie Mountain culture, even that, like it's a title from a place, but we have sort of stories. We're talking about stuff in the States, which we already do in Cootie Mountain, but we're talking about stuff in Oregon. We're, we're going back up and, and we still, are doing stories from, you know, Northern coastal BC and stuff. So I think our editorial um, scope is, is growing through all this, which is potentially a positive. And, and I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, people still have advertisers that are from the coast that are sort of coastal based, but just, you know, want to be a part of something something cool yeah and you guys you guys have always cast the net wide and that's what i liked about the magazine is that you put stuff in there that's a value and with the mountain culture group which is the parent group that kind of uh, i guess umbrellas the magazines and also the website by the way which is great um and one of my favorite stories was uh the one on the racetrack so we're sitting right now in east vancouver near uh the second narrows bridge and you did this really cool story on 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 the the scene at the racetrack in east vancouver there's just one of those many things where you kind of went a little bit beyond the core of of maybe what one would think you would do and you just went for it um and again i think like some of the first quotes that i heard from you guys is you know like mark barard he's gonna he's not afraid to say something and he's gonna put stuff out there and he's not afraid to maybe put a curse word in print or this that and the other thing um so i mean again like you guys have gone back to your regional kind of focus uh, out of necessity but uh, i'm kind of it'll be fascinating where you go and you'll pop it in there just sorry does that make sense i mean like that's what i liked about you guys is you cast the net wide enough and again since you're not a bike magazine you're on a ski magazine um you 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 put it in there you know 
Yeah, it's a demographic of common interest. You know, it's like if you like mountain culture, you like the magazine, whether it was Kootenai Mountain Culture or Coast Mountain Culture. It's, uh, you know, it resonates for anybody who's interested in that uh, common demographic of mountain culture. Yeah, like uh, Jamie Bliss. So he's written a couple, you know, with a legal background and an interest in you cannabis. Bet. He's done like historical and legal pieces on on cannabis in the Kootenays. Yeah. And that's kind of that's a very broad ranging subject, obviously. But that crosses into all aspects of obviously culture in in the Kootenays and really everywhere. So, um, yeah, that's, that's proper, like, you know, you know, not sport related, but definitely, you know, has a thread through everything that you guys do and talk about. So that's definitely important. So, yeah. And on that note, what's coming up next, when is the next issue going to drop and maybe can you tease us some themes or a couple articles? Uh, yeah, well, maybe I'll tease, I'll give the, the details and Mitch can talk about articles. But uh, yeah, we're coming. So we're working on our summer issue now and it's out uh, the second week of May. Um, yeah, it's, it's looking great. It's our resourceful issue. So as Mitch had mentioned, there's a piece on uh, private logging in there. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going really well. You know, often I'm in ad sales and so it's often kind of a litmus test for how you know, really how society is doing, if you will, and how, you know, business is doing. And so I'm glad to say that, you know, it's, it's, it's going well in terms of ad sales. It seems to me that um, British Columbia is, uh, well, not just British Columbia too, you know, Idaho and Montana, been talking a lot with our advertisers south of the border as well too. And it, it, it feels like, uh, you know, people are really optimistic for the for the future and uh you know they want to advertise their businesses and they want to be a part of a you know a vibrant magazine so it's um you know the vibe is the vibe is good and uh yeah we're looking forward to uh to getting our next issue out there what might we see in there mitch any good oh geez you put me on the spot my problem is anything uh, good uh, pete pete you know the story is better than well that. yeah it's just, yeah <laughs> i mean it's it's, have no it's our it's our they resourceful issue oh yeah no dude we're all we're all done i mean as i say <laughs> I it's, it's our resourceful issue so there's i mean sometimes that's yeah so that's private logging that's like the just basically the different people being resourceful in this area so there's the uh farming um sort of advances in technology and farming uh uh gosh that's just our feature well as sort of the idea of the resourceful issue we got a great piece uh by benjamin jordan who uh is the paraglider i haven't actually i don't know if you guys are familiar with him at all but we had done a story on him uh where he had basically crossed the great divide on his paraglider anyhow he's uh um he's got a piece out in this one and he just dropped a, uh, a video. At, uh, I guess it was yesterday and people from our team was sort of saying that it was one of the better sort of uh, adventure sport videos they had seen in a while. Cool. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't have all my notes in front of me in terms of what our entire well, story we is, can, but we I know can, it's going to be awesome. We can check it out in be, print. Yeah. Luckily, I think that at least the, the four of us in the conversation will see a copy. So I just you thought bet. I'd yeah, well, see what was shaking, but the resourcefulness issue is coming out um and um how do we like you know and this is a silly question but i think we can just go online and subscribe and have it delivered to our door for those that are a bit more sheepish like myself and might not want to go see my friend's intuition well you can go online as well too and you can just click on where can i find a copy and so then in all of the towns and you know yeah so that's the best way to go get it for free go buy stuff by your local shop 
outdoor yeah. shop, pub, yeah. cafe. But if you yeah. don't want to, you still ship them out too, right? You bet. Yeah, we have a well, we got a worldwide subscription base, and so people, um, yeah, basically, if you're not in the area where uh, people, you know, or where we distribute, you can uh, get a subscription. And some people just they just like to support it, and they'll you know buy a subscription or whatever. So it's uh yeah there are many ways to get the magazine and it, yeah if you're not in the in the distribution zone certainly a subscription is a is a good way to go and it's I, kind I, of the way to go these days because yeah the, well some of us don't want to go to the store you know i'd limit myself to um you know best buy and the liquor store that's it that's, that's it <laughs> they're there yeah uh, you guys are just switching gears a bit uh, uh apart from the magazines but you guys as individuals like you're uh, just curious about your background and what brought you to where you are now. Like, are you guys born and raised in the Kootenays or where did you come from and how did you, I guess, d- develop into basically an artistic kind of career? To, I mean, starting off with you, Peter, maybe just uh, like, how did you get into this artistic career and where, where, where are your origins to get to this point? Uh, well, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was born and raised in Ontario. My folks moved around quite a bit. Uh, I, I moved to Whistler when I was 18. Um, I was standing on the side of the road hitchhiking one day and saw a car go by with a bumper sticker that said, uh, old skiers never die. They just moved to Nelson, British Columbia. <laughs> so I decided I'd have to go and check, uh, you know, that place out. And so I came here in, uh, I don't know. I think it was 93, I guess. And, um, uh, I was, yeah, trying to develop myself as a photographer. I went to the woodworking school here in Nelson for that first year. I'm also kind of a wood nerd and have mm-hmm. a background in, in, in that, uh, field. And, um, and basically just, yeah, fell in love, uh, with this area, you know, it's a great place to live. Uh, there wasn't much going on back in, in the day there. So and what, uh, what were you shooting when you first got here? Like what kind of subjects? What was your, like everything or are you focused on anything? Or? Oh, well, I was trying to do my best to, uh, shoot as much skiing as possible, but, uh, like literally working for any kind of magazine at that time, there was a magazine called Crosscut in town, which was a woodworking magazine in essence. And so, I would, uh, you know, do interviews of local woodworkers and that kind of stuff. Uh, gosh, I mean, I came even from a, a bit of a caving background and <laughs> had some limited success in, you know, selling cave photography and stuff. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, kind of really just kind of putting it all together, you know, not not being a dope grower, really, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nelson, was, yeah. was that just yeah. a veiled answer to say you were a dope grower? Is that what was No, no, that was the thing. I mean, we needed to we needed to do things. I mean, if you weren't a dope grower, you know, you needed to uh, make it happen, right? The internet, uh, the world was not flat at that time. You could not work uh, from here and have clients in, you know, Germany and those types of things. Uh, certainly not in, you know, whatever, 93 or whatever. So, mm, yeah. Um, you know, you, um, yeah, no, we just hustled. Yeah. I had a veneer business. I was, uh, in fact, I remember one of the first, uh, sort of jobs or stories that I bought from the Mitch man was, uh, I veneered, uh, I did a, a piece of, uh, for his stairs, actually a sort of a, nice. a, a beam for his uh, stairs and we traded for a story. And, uh, so, you know, it was very much that kind of place back then. It was, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a barter system going on there. Bar- yeah. yeah. There was a lot of bartering going on and, yeah. you know, uh, 
skiing and not, you know, living high on no. the hog or anything, but trying to f- follow your dreams, you know? And Nelson's always just been such a, a neat town. I mean, I did, I don't know it well, and uh, I don't know it that long, but it's just, you know, when you talk about the Kootenays and, and Nelson, there's just a vibe and I'm, I'm due to go back there. I've been due to come visit you guys for five years. So I'll make good on that probably in 2022. Uh, yeah. Mitch, where did you rain from? Where, 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 where were your formative years? Wow. I grew up on uh, North Shore of Vancouver. Um, but my, where, where in North Van specifically? Yeah, we don't. Want <laughs> I grew up right near um, uh, Cypress Park. Oh, nice. Irwin yeah. Drive. Yeah. yeah, West Vanish. Yeah, West Van. West Deep West Van. Yeah. Um, but my my dad is actually born and raised in Nelson, and and his parents okay. were both born and raised in Nelson. So I spent a lot of time there as a kid, growing up, and um, have you know four great grandparents that settled here in the early 1900s. And I moved here about 20 years ago. And um, yeah, my roots, I I was just kind of the right time, right place in, in BC. I um, wanted to be a kid, went traveling after university and, and sold a couple stories, travel stories, and decided I wanted to be a writer. And and um, was a huge fan of powder, a huge fan of bike, and ended up getting published in those titles. I actually wrote the first ever you know, story of note on the, on the North Shore mountain bike scene. And wow. What, what year, time, what year is that? What year is that? 1998. Wow. That was published. Yeah. So I, and magazines back then were like, that was, that was the shit, right? Like that's, yeah. that's where it all came out. You know, that was before the internet really. And you get all your gear from like mountain bike action and stuff. It like was that, pinnacle. Right? So yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Powder, powder in the nineties, man. Or even when I was, you know, a skier Whistler in the, in the eighties, it was everything. So to be able to work for those titles was huge. Um, and then moving here, um, you know, finding Pete and, and starting KMC really sort of galvanized my, my direction and yeah, just creative storytelling, which, you know, evolved into a bunch of film projects and marketing jobs and, yeah, and, and I mean, still, still there today. Speaking of being, you know, like being, you know, wearing different hats. Um, I noticed, of course, you worked for Kona for a long time, and on okay. top of that, you've been working with Sherpas as well. So you, you have this whole other half to what you're up to while balancing uh, the gig here. So, what was working for Kona like? Uh, working for Kona was awesome. Those guys are they're, they're legends, and that was such a it's a big global company run by a bunch of, you know, very passionate um, cyclists. So mm-hmm. that was, that was really fun. And that was like the early days of, of custom content. You know, some of the first stuff we started doing uh, for the internet was like, you know, some of the first sort of branded custom authentic content that you were seeing out there. So um, that was, a, yeah, a formative experience and very fun. I got to travel the world Um ride great bikes, you know, that led me into working for Chambla Music Festival and um, a bunch of other cool clients. So and what what was the what was your era with Kona? Like what 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 years? Um, it would have been from like probably 08 to 2016-ish. Yeah, I think those are I read your LinkedIn. That's it. That was the, yeah, yeah, yeah. my research. Yeah, I, I was when I first came to North Van. Ish, I, ish. I basically I lived right, you know, a few hundred meters from the old Deep Cove bike shop right down in the Cove, which was in that gas station, and they were all oh, Kona wow. all the time, like in the yeah. ninety three to ninety five era. Um, yeah. Kind of was all about cross country racing there at the time. Like Wade Simmons was just like a 
Canada cup downhill racer and a mechanic before the whole free ride thing kind of came out, but Kona was like the dominant brand at that time anyways. And that's pretty much all, all they sold out of that shop. And, you know, uh, but it was kind of a, a, a cultural, you know, Chaz and, uh, and Ashley and those guys at the time, just, you know, the waft of, of cannabis coming from the back room. It was just like a, a really cool cultural time in the, in the North shore. That's kind of gone now. It's gone very professional and clean and, and squeaky. Now that was kind of your, kind of your old school gritty kind of uh i'm kind of like get off my lawn old man right now but it was kind of a it was kind of a different era right and i think almost that has transferred to nelson in terms of like that kind of a culture that maybe still exists somewhat um in the kind of the kootenays um versus the city or whatever so yeah Yeah, i don't know if you'll ever get the the sort of (laughs) the vibe of going into the because we used to ride from west van to the cove to like buy stuff Exactly. Yeah, that's the spot. And, yeah. And I remember going in, Ash would be like, hey guys, let's tell you about <laughs> this, this poo I had this morning. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I'd like to call it muffin batter, but I don't really know. Ever we're just like, okay, yeah. it's like, we're just looking for some grips, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and you'd always get the discount, and they'd always start at a really high price, and you'd eventually, they'd, they'd, say, they'd give you their bro deal about 30 bucks less, but you found it afterwards that would actually retail. Yeah, that was their, that was their hook and their selling hook kind of to get you to buy gear there and thinking, wow, they hooked us up kind of thing. Right. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I actually, one of my first <laughs> corporate gigs was before Kona was I wrote for three years, I wrote the copy for the Cove bikes catalog. Nice. So nice. I would sit down with Chaz Ramalis and his house <laughs> up there. And so you made and, the names up together of all those bikes, right? The hand job. Yeah, we would get uh, super stiffy, all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was, he would, he'd just be like, you know, um, they came up with this new bike called, um, I, can't, I shouldn't even say that now. The G-Spot. But yeah, that you, you, can't even, yeah. you can't even really say the stuff that we're... Can you give you us know. the initials of the name of the bike? Well, the one of the ones with, um, what was it? It was, fuck, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, if you can't afford, it, yeah, if you can't afford a hand job, you get a Hummer. That was the thing. <laughs> yeah. No, if you can't afford a Hummer... Get a hand job because they had the armor was the titanium bake and the hand job. And so he'd be sitting there like I'm like, what are we ready for this one? It's like, well, it's kind of like <laughs> can't afford the Hummer. We got the hand job. <laughs> yeah. And society that is how we got where no. we got. <laughs> that is vintage, you know, early nineties, mid nineties. But if I see right there, yeah. like a titanium yes. cove yeah. bike oh, yeah. around, I want to snatch it. Like yeah. I would like I would love that. It's just such a sick ride. And if you got a titanium you know, that uh, was one of my first. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you have one of those? Yeah. I, I saw uh, Mitch. I saw Chaz just last week at, at Cove bikes. He's still there and he looks exactly like he did in the nineties. Same hair. He hasn't, it's like he has an age. It's like a time capsule with that guy. Same guy. He pretends he knows your name. Hey, how's it going? And same deal. He, the guy is like, put in some sort of uh you know uh fountain of youth or something it, it's just he's, never, he's just he's the same exact dude <laughs> my favorite well, for them for three years he doesn't remember who i am no I he doesn't he doesn't remember uh, anyone like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite place to distribute mags anytime that you saw chaz and he'd be like Dids. Yeah. you know it's just it was just so classic Uh, the guy is a legend he's like a unique character i mean still core part of the north shore scene right so it's amazing he's he's still doing what he's doing for sure Mm. yeah but um yeah well that's and uh and so you guys um once you got to nelson that was it love done 
never going back, never living anywhere else? Like, do you guys have uh, families? Are you single? Still living the dream? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, we got families for sure. <laughs> yeah, I got I got two boys. It's actually pretty cool. Our my youngest boy is eighteen, and Pete's youngest boy is seventeen now, or is he still 16? sixteen? Yeah, still sixteen. Yeah. So they're both on. They're they're really good buddies, and they're uh, they're both on the Whitewater Freeride team, and they're they're both kind of blowing up right now. Awesome. Um, Backflipping and and three sixty. You know, what are their names? Nice. If we look up their YouTube, uh, uh... Mason, Scott, and Dylan Moines. All right. I keep seeing those guys on your gram throwing threes and backflips. And I'm just like, what is happening? Um, Every time I go to Nelson, which isn't often, but when I ski there, I always see some kid or some individual just, 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 no, just, just, you know, I'm going to 30 feet, whatever, back eat, whatever. Just like, you know, just another day. It's not a big deal. I would venture to say there is probably no, there's not on a powder day on a Sunday with when the free ride the older free ride team comes because they just ski underneath the blast underneath the chair all the time it's their favorite run and they get all these jumps it's, it's got to be the most ex- exciting chair ride in north america when nice. those guys are going off it's a show worth the ticket uh, oh yeah it's and it's hilarious and they're they're great guys so yeah we um i'm not going anywhere i mean i think this place is uh it's an unbelievable community it's been super resilient through through COVID, um, just everyone's in it together. It's sophisticated. Um, when we're not locked down, we've got a great music scene. We've got a great art scene. Um, we're attracting really cool people moving here. Um, so yeah, I think every day we're, we're, we're both counter blessings and, you know, living here, being a part of this community. And then also I think, you know, what we've been able to, you know, to scratch your own back, but what we've been able to, contribute to the community makes us feel really good too. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's played a big role in, in, you know, what this community is and what it stands for. And that's just not us. That's everyone contributing the stories that are here. And um, a lot of people ask us if we're going to run out of stories and we're like, you know, it's, man, we haven't even, we haven't scratched the surface. It's, it's, it's so deep here. Um, and not just us, but, you know, proximity to Revelstoke and Rossland and Kimberly, you know, this is, these are all really cool. Um, little mountain towns that have, you know, their own vibe, but they're still equally as sophisticated and deep and they're getting deeper and everyone's really involved in, in, you know, what's going on um, in all facets, which, which, which is really cool. Peter, yeah, are you going to move away? Are you move away? Oh, no, man. I mean, I feel like one of the luckiest motherfuckers alive. I mean, I, I have I live in a cool place and I have a job here. But I, I always often say that, like, one of the best things about uh, living in Nelson is is coming back to Nelson. So I'm very grateful that um, my job uh, took me, you know, especially with the coast. Well, I mean, with both magazines, I mean, we've uh, we've taken a unique distribution uh, over the last 20 years where we basically go and bring each magazine to, you know, the boxes to all of the different uh, retail outlets and all the different distributors and stuff. So um, the job has allowed me to be gone sort of maybe one month of year traveling to all some of the greatest cities that I could ever want to go to, you know, Vancouver and Seattle and Portland and Hood River and all those places and then you come back to Nelson and you're just so grateful to live here because it's, um, 
you know, it is a little bit more removed and stuff and it's very cool. And, uh, um, no, I'm not going anywhere. I, I love living here. Uh, but uh, as I say, I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that my job allows me to go other places so that, uh, you know, every six months, I appreciate it, uh, even more. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're in a good place when you're glad to be back after traveling. Oftentimes that's what travel does for people, right? If you like where you're living, it kind of reminds you of how good you have it, you know, wherever you are. You love yeah. the experience of the travel. You love the, the adventure. It's different. It's unique. It's new sensations. But then you come back to where you want to because that's kind of where your heart is, I guess, right? So that's kind of uh, what you've discovered for sure. Yeah. yeah, we're not a bedroom community to anywhere, right? So it's not like on a Friday night, you don't uh, get sort of the rush of Calgary that, that Invermere or Fernie does or whatever. So we're just a little bit, uh, we're just far enough into the crotch or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but we're just far enough away that, um, um, you know, you just still can't reach down there will and nilly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's still a very special, place. but no, I mean, that's what I heard about Revelstoke as well is it's never really taken off because you know, air travel and, and, and an easy access. I mean, I remember when that resort launched, it was a big deal in Vancouver and Andy, everyone still talks about how amazing Revelstoke is, but it's not easy to get to. And you're, you know, even a little bit further, I'd imagine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're off to trans Canada and they, they see more traffic I'm sure than, than we do and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, you know, just, we're, we're lucky in many uh, respects about uh, living out here. Yeah. I, I, from the other front, I guess, I remember a couple of years in a row, bliss, uh, like Kevin McKechnie, uh, Bob Keating, uh, Tom, the kind of a crew would come out. We'd, I'd take the train down from Vancouver to Portland. They would drive out to Portland to be like, they're just, Oh my God, the big city. And they're just like savor, what the big city had to offer, you know, they would just, you know, eat it all up for like 72 hours. But at the end of that, they were kind of, okay, we're good. Okay. I'm glad we're going back home now, but, but they, they needed that little hit of kind of the city life. And then they just kind of, you know, fill their boots and then back home. And they're always stoked, of course, to go back home after that. But uh, it's kind of that, that contrast that kind of makes you appreciate, you know, where you're from for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But again, the beauty of that too, is that you have, it was travel with purpose, right? I mean, your Mm -hmm. stories and your, and your distribution happened in all of those areas. So so it was like, it was a lot different than being, you know, sort of a tourist visiting a town. I mean, we worked, we had colleagues with people in those areas. And so it was, um, it's, you know, it's, it, it was a really great time. I mean, uh, you know, 10 years of the Coast Mag uh, running was was wonderful to uh, have access to all of those regions in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, uh, again, very th- thankful to have had that experience. And uh, uh, but again, very glad to live uh, where we do. Cool. Yeah. So you are bringing back CMC, though. It's good to know. It's Official happened. announcement just happened there. Yeah. You heard it here yeah. first. Yeah. Judging by the enthusiasm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like coming home, right? And then you, you, like you said it best, you know, we, I think the four of us have, have been fortunate and privileged enough to travel a decent amount. But you know, whether it's being dropped off by a car, or pulling into your into your driveway, and just walking into your own place, and knowing that's, that's home, and then not having itchy feet. You know, I've been in Vancouver for about 15 or 16 years, I would say it took me about 10 years to kind of feel at home thinking that, yeah, yeah, this is, this is home for me. I feel good. And I, I may well move in the future, but I, I, I would rather not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, what do you think, Hoog? Well, I don't know. Let it seems like go. it's almost dinner time. And, uh, dinner? and if we're lucky, we can catch these these folks again in person. Um, Are you guys in your respective homes right now? Looks like it. You're in the kitchen. Mitch is at, Mitch is at his Mitch, office. Oh, yeah, the office, uh, at the yeah, office. Yeah. I'm at. Yeah, I've been working. You know, it's funny. I have. Uh, well, we have the option to to work down at the op- office downtown, and I have an office back here. But I'm. I don't know. I'm just in this weird scene where I. I mean, I'm working hard on ad sales and stuff, and I just you know the coffee machines there and the music is there and. Uh, um, yeah, ad sales, in particular at this point of the, you know, the work cycle, it's a pretty, it's a pretty solitary uh, yeah, and you can focus. Uh, endeavor, you know, yeah, so it's, and uh, so yeah, that's, that's where we're at now, but I do hope that, uh, you know, once things start to open up a little bit more that we can kind of uh, enjoy a bit more of a workspace and uh, see people a bit more, you know. He has a bit of a showering fetish too, so he likes to be close. Yeah, to he'll be in there in a second. You, you both have minutes. lovely artwork behind you too. You got a nice like place of wash. black and white kind of root thing happening behind you there. Yeah, uh, Peter yeah. and Mitch, you got oh. kind of a, a colorful snow, it's, it's pretty somewhat sweet, abstract yeah. Yeah. behind you there. So nice, mm. nice. Yeah, that's our buddy uh, Mad Dog. Mad Dog, nice. Mm. Okay, yeah. check out Mad Sean, Dog. People. Sean Morris. Yeah. Sean, Sean, Sean Morris. Morris. Yeah. John yeah so Guys, if still... anything co- sorry go oh, on sorry Hoogie. i was gonna say if anything comes up that you didn't you know want to uh, get a chance to ask or anything like that feel free to follow up or anything yeah like yeah and i mean just a few a few shout outs i mean obviously uh if you want to book into the magazine we're kind of getting towards the 11th hour but call them up uh you can be yep. in a very special spot uh advertising wise and uh, you can find them of course uh mountain culture mountain if i'm correct um and of course they're all over instagram and facebook as well so if you are not familiar with the magazine you have to check it out there'll be new copies out this spring if you're not in locale you can sign up to have it delivered which is sweet and um yeah i know i thank you it's been really fun to work with you guys over the last five years and you have two big supporters and collaborators here if you ever need them um and on top of that, thanks for taking part of the podcast, because as you mentioned, with that first first issue that was stapled together, we're uh, we're kind of at that point. So we've got the stapler out and we're putting something new together, too. So thanks for taking an hour and a half out of your very, very busy days to uh, to chat to us on the coast. And um, you know, this is happening on Zoom. So thanks for putting up with a little bit of latency. And hopefully one day I will make it out. And, um, you know, if you guys are ever in the city, uh, we owe you a beer at the very least. But again, uh, you can catch these gentlemen at mountainculturegroup.com. You can find us at sound.ideas uh, at Instagram. There will be a website to follow. And uh, yeah, do you guys have anything else you'd like to add? Well, I'd just say good luck. Uh, this was a great conversation. We really appreciate it. And uh, congrats on you for taking those first uh, awkward steps into creating something new. Even, this wasn't awkward. It was, <laughs> it was super good. Baby but, steps. You know, uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's great. I mean, uh, uh, telling stories, sharing stories is what makes the world go around. Yeah. Well, awesome. well, thanks. Uh, thanks yeah. everyone. We'll sign off for now. Um, Pete's got something. Oh. Pete. Yeah. I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, well, I appreciate you guys having us on and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just want to also say that, uh, you know, even just here sitting and talking with Mitch, man, I feel very fortunate to, uh, you know, to be a, a partner with Mitch's, uh, for this, many years and to be able to uh you know uh, take on an endeavor like this it's uh it's a very sort of you know it is an art project really in the in the grand scheme of things yeah. and uh i uh you know i just really appreciate the, i just wanted to say that i really appreciate the mitch man and uh his partnership and uh that we've been able to uh travel this road together 
There the love is awesome. deep. Love is deep. If we if we weren't married, we'd probably be together. The, the love issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, well, thanks again. Again, nice to uh, zoom meet you guys. Yeah, the, awesome. The yeah. world needs good journalism. Congrats and keep on uh, rolling. So keep doing yeah. what you're doing, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Appreciate it, thanks, guys. guys. Thank you. Bye. See ya. 